Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, beloved of God, in this time when so many things are changing quickly all the time, when nothing seems stable, and when there are so many ills around us, it is good to remember that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He is perfect, and so he is unchanging. He is the creator of the starry hosts of heaven, of the moon and the sun. They may change in brightness from day to day, they may find themselves dimmed by clouds, but the Lord our God is unchanging. He is perfect and steadfast, constant and wholly reliable. He is our rock in the midst of a churning and ever-changing sea. And to him we look for every good, because from him comes every good gift and perfect gift. These good gifts are those which we need for the support of our body and life, that is, food and clothing, house and home, family and everything else that we need. These God gives to us out of his divine fatherly goodness and mercy, without any worthiness or merit in our part. And this he does not only for Christians, but for all people. Jesus said of the Father in the Sermon on the Mount, he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And God does not only do this for people, but he continues to actively care for all of his creation. In Psalm 145, David says, The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. In addition, he gives us not only these things which very directly support our life, but so too he gives us those things which support us more indirectly, such as our king and all in authority that help maintain order that we may live a peaceful and quiet life. But our Lord God is not only the giver of every good gift, but also of every perfect gift. These perfect gifts are the greater gifts which he pours out upon his people. The perfect gifts are those gifts which bring salvation, those which sustain us on the paths of righteousness, and those which we will continue to receive now, but also in a different way in the future in the new creation. It first and foremost includes his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he gave that having taken upon our, our sin upon himself, he might give himself into death for the forgiveness of all of our sins, so that we might not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the gospel, the good news of salvation, the proclamation of what our Savior has done in order to save us. This gospel is not only an announcement, but it is faith-creating, and it brings with it the benefit which it promises, salvation to all who believe. Even so, our faith which receives this good news, which trusts in the grace of God, is itself 
a perfect gift from him, so that trusting in him, he may forgive our sins and credit us with the very righteousness of Christ. The sacraments are also perfect gifts which God has given to his church so that they, along with his saving word, might be means of grace to us. Your baptism was indeed a precious and perfect gift of God, where he washed you with water and the word, and he cleansed you of all your sins, uniting you to the death and resurrection of Christ through faith, so that just as he rose from the dead, you too shall arise on the last day to life eternal. Through faith in him, we receive those benefits promised in our baptism. According to the promise, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And if he has not given us enough gifts, so too he gives us the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ with the bread and the wine and the Lord's Supper, so that as we eat and drink, trusting in these words given and shed for you, we receive the forgiveness which Christ won by the shedding of, by the giving of his body on the cross and the shedding of his blood. In it, we also receive from him a token of our salvation and a pledge of his everlasting love towards us. These are all very great and wonderful things, and it is hardly even an exhaustive list. Who can name all of the wonderful blessings and perfect gifts which God gives to his people? And for some, this might sound too good to be true. Every one of us has probably had a person renege on a deal or promise of some kind. And when we're honest, we ourselves have not been able to be faithful to our own promises to others all of the time either. We've seen people change and grow apart. We've seen unexpected things come up that prevent us or others from following through. And sometimes there is simply a change of heart in one or duplicity right from the start. This can be very discouraging for us, especially if we have experienced a lot of this throughout our lives. How can we then trust God? But I must tell you, brothers and sisters, that while this is the case with fallen creatures, it is not the case with God. With him there is no variation or shadow of turning. He says to the prophet Malachi, when the people had turned their backs on him, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Even though they had ignored the covenant, God would not change. He would continue to be their God, and he would not destroy them. And John tells us in the first epistle that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He is not duplicitous. He does not lie. He does not change. He is perfect, and his promises are sure and certain and trustworthy. He will not forsake you. Yes, how could he forsake you when he has given you this most excellent gift? He has made you his child. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures, St. James writes. This is speaking of regeneration, of the second birth, of being born from above. When James writes, brought us forth, he is using the language reserved for mothers. 
It is the word used for bringing forth a child. This is the perfect gift of regeneration that he has brought us forth by the word of truth. By the word of truth, by the gospel, through this word he has caused us to be born again so that we are his children. Peter writes that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God. Through the gospel, which brings with it what it promises, we are regenerated. We are born again of his word. Born not sinful creatures, but born his holy children. And this itself is the work of God, which comes according to his design and his will. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. When we were in sin, we could not will such a thing. We could not even seek or begin to desire such a spiritually good thing on our own. No, the will of mankind in sin is enslaved to sin. We could not even, besides, we could not even will or cause our first births. How much more powerless are we to cause ourselves to be born again? This comes only from God's will by the word of truth. This is taught throughout Scripture so that we may take comfort in this fact, that it is God's work, not ours. His will brought this, not ours. So when we see how weak our will still is, and how we stumble and fall into sin, we should not doubt God and then say, Have I really done enough? Have I truly given it my all? Have I really put my will and heart into making this change happen? It was God's perfect will which caused your regeneration through the gospel, not any act of yours. In the Gospel of John, he writes, As many as received Jesus Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He has done this so that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. All creation and all creatures belong, of course, to God. After all, he is their creator. This is found throughout the Old and the New Testaments. Every beast of the forest is mine, says the Lord, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. The world is mine, and all of its fullness. Yet, all, yet although all is his, in the Old Testament he declares that the first fruits were to be his own particular portion, and all first fruits were consecrated to him. The first of the harvest was to be set aside and brought before him in the temple. All the firstborn of all flesh also belonged to the Lord. Children and unclean animals were redeemed with a sacrifice of a clean animal or an offering of money. And clean animals themselves were offered on the altar. That God has caused us to be born again of the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures, means that he has done this so that we might be his own particular and treasured possession. 
his own portion of all creation. From all creatures, he has done this so that we might be consecrated to him. Out of his love for us, he has done this, that being brought out of sin, we might be made holy to him, being made righteous by faith in Christ, the first of the first fruits, so that we too might be a kind of first fruits, special to him out of all that he has made and is his. So then, my beloved brethren, writes James, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. God has made you his child through the regeneration by the word of truth. He has done this that you might be his own treasured possession. How then shall we respond? This threefold attitude is one that all people, I think, can recognize as being good and beneficial. Even the pagan writers could reason out as much that wrath is bad and it is better to hear than to speak. Yet it's one thing to know this, and it's another to truly put it into practice with all of the heart and all of the mind and all of the soul. But James is not just giving good general advice to us. He is saying, beloved brothers and sisters, we have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, working in the word of truth. God himself has caused you to be born again. Your sins have been forgiven and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. He has created you to be a new person and has given you new and better impulses. But since the flesh still wars against the Spirit of God and the new self, hear now the Spirit's admonition to you who have been born again. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Be swift to hear the word of God, for it is by, it is by that means of that word which God has regenerated you. By that same word of truth, he continues to work within you, to forgive your sins, to sanctify you, and to confirm you in your faith, and to strengthen it. He continues to work in and through his word, and so do not delay, but be swift to hear. Brothers and sisters, I am telling you the truth when I say you do not have to come here to hear the word of God. No, rather you get to come here to hear the word of God. You get to hear the word of our Creator, who redeemed you with the precious blood of Christ, who by his own will has brought you forth, and who has called you and enlightened you by his word. You get to hear this. How many people would wish to hear God speak, and we get to hear him speak every time we gather together and read from his word. When our king was given the scriptures yesterday at his coronation, he was told, receive these which are the most important things a man can have. Be swift to hear this word. So too we grow in Christ. As we grow in Christ, we find that we will need correction. We will err. We still sin. So be swift to hear such godly correction, which is intended for our good, so that we may repent of our sins 
and be reconciled to one another in Christ, so that we may know the Lord more excellently and trust in him all the more. And so we also ought to be slow to speak, knowing that the tongue is the cause of all kinds of evils, a flame starting many uncontrollable wildfires. St. James says that the, the tongue is something that no man has been able to successfully bridle and control. An errant remark, a snide comment, and Canada's favorite pastime, a passive-aggressive word, all do much more harm than good. All of these are much better to have never been spoken in the first place. Social media, especially in our time, has seemed to make us all the more highly value our own opinions than we ought, and thus we are quick to speak on all sorts of matters. Be slow to speak, says the Holy Spirit through St. James. It is better to hear than to speak. How many sins come from a lack of listening and an excess of speaking? And what sin has come more from this than anger and wrath? Be slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Wrath is quick to kindle and slow to extinguish. It, mas it quickly masters all our senses and reason and attempts to direct us. And how often do we delude ourselves into thinking that our anger, our anger is righteous anger, our wrath is a righteous wrath, and that's okay. Brothers and sisters, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Our wrath will never bring, us, bring about in us the life which our Lord desires for us to live, the righteousness which he would have us display before the world, the righteousness which demonstrates the, the internal righteousness that we have through faith in him, which is not found in wrath. And our culture, despite well hiding it at times, loves wrath. We Canadians love to be passive-aggressive, to hide our wrath with fake kindness or concern. How often do we see in the general culture when one person messes up, it's pouncing on them to throw them away and put them to the side, whatever side of the political spectrum they're on. May God help us, and may he purge all of this from us. May he, by the work of the Holy Spirit, enable us to lay aside all wrath, filthiness, and overflow of wickedness in ourselves. For these things are not proper of saints, of God's children. Let us repent of these things and ask God that he would lead us away from them. Let us forsake these things which are not becoming of us and cling to Christ all the more, trusting in his mercy and his righteousness, trusting in him for the forgiveness of our sins, knowing that we have been regenerated by the word of truth. Let us then seek to imitate him who, whom the word declares. For he came in weakness, in humility and meekness, this is how we then ought to be. The world is never like this, not the ancient one, not the medieval one, and not even ours. The ideal of the world is strong, confident, and proud. Yet these things often get in the way of receiving the word in a beneficial manner. If we are strong, 
we'll see no need of God's help. If we're confident in ourselves, how can we turn to God? If we're proud, God will resist us. If we look to the word in this way, how can we receive the word well? Let God be your strength. Let your confidence be in Christ Jesus and his work for you. Let your pride and boasting be in him alone and in his cross. If our strength and confidence and pride is in ourselves or anything relating to ourselves or others, we will end up trusting in ourselves rather than in Christ. No matter how highly the strongest, proudest, most confident person thinks of themselves, they can do nothing to save themselves, let alone you. So instead, brothers and sisters, let us, with the help of the Holy Spirit, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You already have this word within you. James calls it the implanted word, because God has implanted this word in your hearts when he has brought you forth by it. This word of God is a saving word. It has regenerated us. So let us hold fast to it. Let us diligently hear it and receive it with meekness so that we will not only hear it, but do it according to his will and in the power of his Holy Spirit who enlivens us. This word is able to save our souls. How could we not seek, how could we not seek to receive it with meekness and humility? It is his word, the word of the creator of all. Dare we approach his word with pride? It is the word of our Redeemer who died for us. It is a word of comfort for you. It is the word of the Savior who bled and died for you. It is a precious and saving thing. Let us always seek to humble ourselves that we decrease and he increases in us. Let us trust all the more in Christ our Savior and hold fast to that implanted word which is able to save you. May God grant this to all of us through the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. <clears throat>